Lucas on Life. Hello and welcome to Lucas on Life. Well, after waiting through the horrendous weather that May delivered us, at last we've got some sun. A year or so late, those who waited for Euro 2020 are finally getting the opportunity to sit down and shout at the TV once again. And then after years of being out of a major tournament, the Scottish football team are back, although their performance against the Czech Republic probably caused some increases in blood pressure and an acute lack of boogieing. But more seriously, for all of us in England at least, we've heard that despite all hopes for some better news, we still have to wait until July 19th to see further opening up of COVID restrictions. There is some light at the end of the tunnel, with weddings opening up some more, which is great. But here we all are, waiting, waiting, waiting. And if you're anything like me, waiting isn't your hobby. So let's think about those times when prayer feels like an old AOL dial-up connection rather than a super-speed fibre-optic link-up, when God seems more silent than chatty. Lucas on Life, here on Premier Christian Radio on waiting. We're thinking about waiting. Before I get into that, just a little niggle. How come when it's 2021, they're still calling it Euro 2020? But that's not important right now. Back to the theme. I don't do well with waiting. For me, the queue is a boring, barren place to be avoided at all costs. And although I consider myself to be a balanced, compassionate sort, I am inclined towards executing those who jump queues, after making them wait endlessly in line, of course. Don't write in, I jest. I desperately try to negotiate waiting in check-in lines at airports with grace, but I often catch myself impatiently tapping my feet like Ringo Starr on Duracells. Being a fully-blown quickaholic, I struggled with an internal eruption of silent but smouldering rage when somebody pushed in front of me in a pub the other day. They were undeniably rude, but the moral indignation that I felt should really be reserved for headlines about genocide. And being in a rush has some other bizarre side effects. I noticed recently that I do not usually dry off completely after showering in the morning. I am powered by an urgent desperation to get on to the next more interesting thing. Thus, I usually march into most days breathless as well as slightly damp. Apologies. Too much information. Recently, I saw a beautiful and profoundly challenging sight, and it was more than a glimpse. I studied the lustrous scene for a good while, drinking in its glory. No kaleidoscopic rainbow bannered an azure blue sky. No towering mountain reached unrelentingly up through snow-white billowing clouds. This was rather an awesome display of human beauty, and one that took my breath away. It was the night that I watched as dozens and dozens of young people did something rather wonderful for God. They waited for him. The scene was at an event called Summer Madness, a hugely popular youth event based in Northern Ireland. Back then, thousands of bright young things showed up annually, pitched their tents, ate too many hot dogs and probably took too few showers, and generally had an all-round good time, which includes going bonkers about Jesus. There was a heady cocktail of arts and fun, teaching and worship, all served up with the winsome Irish ability to enjoy a bit of crack. And this is more than a Bible bless-up. 
The main event is followed by something called Street Reach, four days of showing cast iron kindness in one of the hardest areas of the Shankill. Summer Madness is about clean hearts and very dirty hands. I was privileged to be a speaker there. At the end of the service that I'm thinking of, those young people came forward for prayer in droves, their response quick and uninhibited. Members of the prayer team moved smilingly and swiftly through the throng, sharing a few holy moments in prayer and in some cases in tears. But a tender moment of care takes time. The prayer team was outnumbered. People would have to wait. And wait they did. And their waiting was costly, for this was the first night of the event. Time to get back to the tent and cremate some beans on toast. Time to get with their mates to head off for a late-night concert or a chat show. But they laid all of that aside and waited. And I watched and wondered. And I pondered the thought that most of us live in a Nescafe culture of give it to me right now and have now developed a mutated vision of a muck god who we expect to serve up rapid-fire blessing in a drive-through church right now, as you like it, have a nice day, says the Lord. Do we take the cry of that tenacious ancient who yelled, I will not let you go until you bless me? Or have we rewritten it to read, either bless me now or I'll go? Has the word faith become confused with the word now? Even as I think about this, I'm struck by the irony that I'm actually impatient to be patient. Zap me, God, nuke me, turbocharge me. But please, please don't make me wait in line in that painful, slow crucible where character is forged. Now, fear not, because I'm not advocating that we all move to a semi-detached hermit's cave and there prance around in sackcloth. My call tonight is simply that we give God a bit of that which is viewed as one of our most precious possessions, the gift of some time. I remember years ago seeing a newspaper ad announcing the arrival of a no-weight video recorder. Remember those? It was an invention that allowed us to watch the beginning of a film before the machine had even finished recording the end. Hooray! Hallelujah! Eureka! How do we ever live without it? Waiting. I stared at the envelope and tried to halt the rising feeling of dread that sickened my stomach. Printed on the corner of the stern brown stationery was the logo of the Surrey Constabulary. Meldrew-like, I could not believe it. I'd been caught speeding yet again, the hapless target of a motorway camera. Now, I won't make light of my crime and try to extract any humour from my being caught. Speeding kills people, and I was guilty. Never mind that I was only four miles over the limit or that it seems that speed cameras have become a major source of income for local authorities these days. No, that's really not the point. I was speeding, and that is wrong. Last time it happened, I was forced to attend a speed awareness course, a sorry, shamed-looking group shuffled into a lecture room for a three-hour event designed to show us just how devastating speed can be. I actually enjoyed the experience and stayed behind afterwards to thank the instructor for a good evening, who responded by looking at me as if I was quite mad. I graduated from the course, which was no great achievement because you just have to be there, 
and I vowed that I'd slow down, a pledge that I'm sad to confess I quickly broke with my excessively quick driving. I need to change that. But I also need to change my life because I live my life at speed. I eat quickly and can't think why. Savouring the flavours of food has never been my style. I wish I could say that I was raised in a large, hungry family where if you didn't eat your chicken quickly, it would be snatched off the plate. But it's just not true. I just race through my food because I tend to race through everything. I speed read, preferring to skim over sentences rather than fully digest the words. I multitask, steam through to-do lists and fume in rush hour traffic jams where congestion means that the one thing you can't do is rush. I get things done so that I can get on to the next thing. But there's always something else to do, somewhere else to go, some other experience that demands that whatever I'm doing, it won't be for long. Lately, I've been asking myself, why the haste? Rushing is an unconscious habit, one that's hard to break. I dash without thinking. I don't have to be late, under pressure or behind schedule in order to be in a hurry. Slowing down takes conscious effort. In a world of fast food and high-speed Wi-Fi, it's easy to just go with the flow, even if the flow is a torrent rather than a trickle. I rush simply because I always have. It's my default setting. I've no idea how long my mother was in labour when I came into the world, but I do know that I arrived early, very prematurely. Perhaps I took minutes rather than hours to make my appearance, and having received a slap from the midwife, I proceeded to ask when school would be starting. And then there's the subtle pressure to be busy because haste offers proof that we're in demand, that those who need us must get in line or take a number. Plus, Slowing down is just so hard. When I relax, I feel guilty. Going on holiday takes serious mental and emotional preparation. Suddenly finding myself without activity and the rush created by rushing, I can spiral down into vague depressiveness, enduring rather than enjoying those lazy days of sunshine. But as the speed awareness course demonstrated with horrifying illustrations, speed is truly devastating, and not just on the roads. I've made super swift decisions that proved to be disastrous, messes that could have been prevented with some pause. And I've wasted too many beautiful moments because I've not been fully present in them, quickly dashing on to the next thing, which I hoped would be better, which it generally was not. Life lived like that becomes something to get through rather than an experience to savour. If I want to become more like Jesus, then a better rhythm won't be a luxury, but a necessity. He knew how to say no. At times, he evaded the madding crowds and commanded his friends to come apart for a while, presumably so that they wouldn't fall apart. So, wish me well as I make my attempt at slowing. Meanwhile, just for a few minutes, I've got to go. Must get on. Or maybe not. Feverish excitement broke out in the Lucas household recently, and all because of the arrival of tomato ketchup. A confession like that probably paints us as a sad family that needs to get out more if we get giddy and don party hats every time the groceries arrive. But this was no ordinary ketchup, because ever eager to improve upon perfection, 
the particular company that produces our choice of ketchup has produced what looks like an upside-down ketchup bottle with the cap on the bottom. This simple revolution means that the red stuff is always pulled down by gravity and so no shaking is needed and there's no delay when we want to garnish our eggs. This quick-on-the-draw idea when the company asked customers how their iconic product could be improved. They told us the ketchup is perfect the way it is, says a spokesperson. Their concerns were more about access. And so the boffins at Ketchup Central went back to the drawing board and the new packaging means that we now live in the age of spring-loaded sauce. Ketchup ready when you are, chortles the label. Hallelujah. It's celebration time. As I mentioned earlier, I'm a quickaholic. My name is Jeff and I haven't got time to tell you my last name. And I've always found the two-second shake and wait with the sauce so very frustrating. As I mentioned earlier, I eat at high speed as if I fear that someone's about to steal the chicken. And I also prefer the shampoo with the conditioner combined because it saves me time that it takes to rinse. When my computer takes longer than usual to download my emails, I twitch and fear that it's turning into Stevenson's rocket. I know that life is a marathon, it's designed to be a comfortable jog, but I tend to tackle it at a sprint. I've already talked about some of the problems that are associated with going fast in life, but ironically, also, by going fast, I often end up being late. Trying to squeeze too much in before I drive to an appointment, I calculate precisely how much time is needed for the journey, fret all the way, pray for red lights to turn green, and arrive white-knuckled, agitated, and delayed. And I create complicated and yet more time-consuming problems by reacting rather than responding, rushing with mad haste to press send in response to an irritating email. My fear is that I and who knows, maybe you, are going to continue to hurtle through the whole of life at a rate of knots, which will lead to our premature demise. When they throw us in the grave, our bodies will thrash around for three days just because of the momentum we've gained. Our challenge isn't so much jet lag, I think it's life lag. As Lily Tomlin famously said in the rat race, even if you win, you're still a rat. So as we've been thinking about waiting, slowing down. Let's ask Jesus, who was not only the Prince of Peace, but the Prince of Poise with it. Let's ask him to help us to break before we break. Perhaps we can't go on sabbaticals or rent a monk's habit and go all contemplative or abandon our responsibilities, but we can stop to breathe, allow laughter to linger, refuse to allow the schedule to become a god, Leave on a journey an hour early so it becomes a trip and not a race. And perhaps we can spend more time doing frivolous and useless things just for the sake of doing them. We can raise a glass to a sunset lest creation struts her stuff and there be no applause from us in response. Let's slow down and respond rather than react and give life some more thought. Think about it. Let's slow down and realize that the world will continue to turn as we do so. Let's slow down and enjoy the here and now, staying in the moment. Let's slow down. Let's wait. Lucas on Life.